Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. So we're going to talk today about our light and our salvation. Amen. So you know who that is. Amen. Our light and our salvation. Praise God. Amen. Get everybody awoke and alert and <laughs> paying attention. So praise God. Amen. Amen. So anyway, God is good. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. We're ever thankful to the Lord for his goodness, his greatness, his honor and his glory in the earth. And so we thank you, Lord, that we are are made righteous and we're made honorable by what you have done for us. Thank you, Father. Eternal thanks go unto the Lord our God in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So turn to Psalm 27. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to talk about the God who is our light and our salvation. And um, we need it. I think there's there's really never a time that you don't need God's help. I think being a Christian, part of, of Christian, Christian living is the discipline of learning to uh, accept God as your God and the discipline of understanding how to uh, walk with him continually. Uh, Christianity really is a discipline and it is a way of life. It's a faith. It's not really a religion, but you can call it that. That word religion really means that which I would give my life for. So it, and it doesn't always pertain to God. Y'all know that, you know, people can be religious about so many different things. And, uh, but, but in God, uh, it's a good thing to, to desire something, uh, uh, intensely enough or desire God strongly enough that you would swap your life for His. That's what we do. When we give our lives, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, blowing yourself up to kill other people or anything like that. It really means to surrender and abandon control of your life to a greater power, which is God. Uh, Not many people would give their lives over to weakness. Most people would gladly give their lives over to strength and give their lives over to help. And so we always want to do that. There's there's something in man that has an understanding of a covenant where we depend on people who are stronger than us. You know, we admire uh, strong people. We admire strength in people. We admire uh, people who make sacrifices, actually. You know, like we'll see people like uh, Mother Teresa. Everybody kind of holds her up as uh, somebody to be emulated, and rightfully so, because she gave her life in the pursuit of comfort and safety and peace for others. And she was very bold and very adamant about it and people admired her strength because of the force of the conviction that held her into that lifestyle and so it should be with all Christians we should all have that force of conviction that holds us into a lifestyle and a discipline of surrendering our lives every day to God and expecting God to use us every day uh, I know I, I recently had to remind myself 
uh, of a prayer to ask God to put somebody in my path on a daily basis that I could witness to. Now that might sound, you know, oh, you mean you don't have, you don't pray for that? Well, do you? You know, it's easy to forget and it's easy to take for granted and it's easy to get busy and it's easy to be too busy to pay attention to things that God wants us to pay attention to. I, I recently kind of, um, started speaking to God more about making me aware of him and what he's doing in my life at all times. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do things like I'll, I'll, um, need something or look for something. And instead of pursuing, following God's lead and locating it, I'll look for a little while and then quit or then, you know, let my attention get focused. And then you go back and you see it was there all the time kind of thing. Like yesterday, Mr. Gary, when, when he dropped me off at the hotel, I noticed in the uh, remote control for the TV for all 10 stations that you can see on there. But uh, there were no batteries in the remote control. And I began to look for them because I could I could remember seeing them in one of the little pouches I carry around. And I was looking frantically. And but in the back of my mind was, well, he can get them for me. But I've got to do this quickly because he's got to go home. You know, I can't keep him forever looking for this. So I stopped looking and lo and behold, this morning, what do I see in the pouch? I find my two batteries that were there all the time. You see what I'm saying? So then the the question becomes, what made you quit trusting the leading of God and pick up that other thought? And it was the thought that if I don't go with plan B, Plan B will escape me. And so many times we live a plan B life, amen, because we think that plan B won't be around forever or it's going to, we get in a hurry for things or we let the enemy rush us into making decisions. And, and like while I'm saying I'm looking, I'm all, my mind is already on something else, you know, the alternate plan because I really don't trust that God will help me find that. I really don't trust my memory that the Holy Spirit brought it back to my remembrance. You've got those things with you somewhere. You just need to settle down and let me help you locate them. And of course you sit there and watch the stupid television. There's nothing on. You think, well, why did I go through all this trouble for just, you know, for these batteries anyway? You know, it's just everything on that road of, um, what the world considers and how the world does things and all, it's all bad stuff. I mean, it's not anything that's going to prosper you or help you. It's always something that you could do without very easily. And so that's a thing that we have to remember sometimes is that all of these things that we run after, pursue, will drop running after God and pick up something else because that's so important. It's not that important after all, or if it is, God is taking care of it for you already as you speak. And so we have to be more God conscious in our lives. We have to be more God centered and more God focused. We have to let our attention uh, perk up and center on God much more. Uh, than it does even right now. You know, we, we have to always 
be going deeper in God, uh, understanding more about Him. There's so much that He wants to awaken us to if we will allow Him to awaken us to these things. And so one of those things is His ability to guide us, help us, and protect us. Because we are living in a hostile and sinful world. This world has always been hostile to God's people. Uh, the more power God releases to His church, the more hostile the world is to us. And so if you, if, if we don't see it any other way, look at it in terms of what God did in this last election. Now many Christians don't even believe God chose President Trump. And I think the reason he released a prophecy about it was to inform his people so that we wouldn't be confused. You can, you know how to judge prophecy to know if it's from God. Uh, you know, why would people spend all that time and energy putting out false prophecies ahead of time and then they come to pass? And once it comes to pass, it's not false anymore. You got me? And so these are things that we as, as New Testament Christians, we're learning how to, uh, evaluate prophecy. We're learning more the place of prophecy in everyday life. And we're understanding that God does speak to his people, number one, to inform them, number two, to warn them so that they can get on the right side of what what's going on in the earth and we not be on the wrong side and find yourself fighting God. See, this is what it's all about. You don't want to spend your life 30 years as a Christian serving God and then down at the end of the road you start fighting God because you don't like what he's doing. And so we don't have to like what God's doing, but we can accept it. You don't like what he's doing when he makes you wait on stuff, but you accept it. You can't fight that. You don't like what he's doing when he uh, doesn't choose your way. He doesn't let you have your way, but you have to accept it. And so this is just part of being growing up. You know, Jesus adopted us as children, but he wanted a bride all along. He wants a grown-up chick male and female, who know how to bow to the master and assist him in his work in the earth. So if you're still one of those people who's begging God for stuff and looking for a handout and looking for the world's wealth, you ain't grown yet. You understand what I'm saying? You gotta take for, you gotta take it for granted that, that, or take it by faith that he loves you and he cares about you and he's taking care of you every day. If you don't have it, he's working on it. You gotta accept that. It took me many years being married to accept that when I would tell my husband I wanted something, he heard me the first time. I didn't have to keep nagging him for it, and I didn't have to keep beating him up, and I didn't have to go out and get it myself. That really offended him if I would, you know, of course it was his money, but beside the point, beside beside the print. And he would tell me sometimes, he said, I was going, why can't you wait for me to get it for you? He said, I was going to get it for you. And I'd look at him and say, you take too long. And it really was the truth. I felt, you know, that you just don't, I mean, I couldn't give a person that kind of control over me. It's just hard. And so I'd apologize and I said, I'm going to do better next time. And I'd go do it again. Huh? You know what I'm saying? These things you have to learn. It's like we do with God. 
you know, you want something and, and God says, I'll get it for you. And you get nervous and you go get it and you wind up paying too much for it, pay more for it. You screw it all up. Then you go back and you repent. God, I'm sorry. Look what I did. I stepped out, you know, that kind of stuff. So we're, we're having to learn in God how to trust Him because His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. If we could just really believe that, but we always want God to think on our level, deal on our level. He want, you want us to give Him us things that are comfortable to us, comfortable in our tradition, things that we can accept and we don't have to repent and be wrong. And say, you know what, God, I was all wrong about this. I don't know how I got wrong like that, but I was wrong. And so I want you to help me to accept your will and to know what you're doing, to learn by the Spirit how to judge and evaluate what's going on in the earth. I need your help. And so if we'll do that, I think if if this election didn't do anything, it exposed a lot of Christians' real heartfelt beliefs. That many of us don't care if we vote for people who support abortion. You understand what I'm saying? We just don't care. And so God cares. And he always has cared. And it's not an eye wink and say, well, you compromise on some things, you get some other. Like what? You know, you want the will of God. And so I think God exposed his people as being supportive of all kinds of worldly things and worldly ideas. And because of tradition and because of we want to be identified as a certain person and not being identified with Christ. That's your greatest ID is to be identified with Christ. So we got to let the world go, folks, and we got to accept and understand what God's doing. If you don't understand it, accept it anyway and pray for understanding to come. God, I don't like this decision you made. Well, that's too bad because I tried using people you like and they won't obey me. You understand what I'm saying? And it's true. He has done that and they don't obey. So you don't know what God's got up for the future and you don't know what's what's really going on behind the scenes. So we have to live by faith every day until it's revealed. But when it's revealed... Uh, you're responsible to believe it. Amen. And accept it. So Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen. Fear of man is one of the biggest sins of the Christian world. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we combat fear by dwelling on God's power to help us. That's how you combat fear. You know people say well. I'm not afraid. But fear is lurking around us all the time. You know it's one of the lead spirits. Of the world of darkness. Of this this present world. This present darkness. Operates a lot in fear. And that's kind of self explanatory. When you think about it. If you can put somebody in ignorance. And you can put somebody in fear. Then you can control them. Hmm? Ignorance is just darkness magnified. Man. It's, it's like, I'll give you an example, what people do with, uh, some of the, the popular pop culture, uh, things. Um, for instance, in your food, in your everyday diet, most people are motivated by fear 
of eating the wrong thing, you know, since, now see, this is since information has gotten to be widespread. When we were in ignorance of this information that's widespread, we weren't so afraid of our food. We'd sit and we bless. You ate what everybody else ate. Now you have family reunions and this group doesn't eat this and this group doesn't eat that. They don't care if they offend you by refusing your hospitality. They just are so fearful of what they eat. And there's ignorance there because most people just hear somebody say that's wrong for you and in fear they grab that thought. And they run with it. Amen. Uh, like people who, doctors who treat high blood pressure responsibly know that it's not the salt that's making your blood pressure go up. If that were it, it would be cured tomorrow because everybody would stop taking it. You understand what salt is something that's easy to eliminate. But they realize that's really not what the problem is. But it will shock you how many people take that simple explanation or that simple idea and run with it. And it's like 50 years old. You know, they found that by lessening salt, it would go down. But that was only to a certain level. Now they're finding out there are other drugs that can help it and, and it's really a heart thing and a blood vessel thing. It has very little to do with what you eat every day. Amen. And so we have to understand that. And most people, salt is not something your body will let you go without if you need it. You get deficient on it, your body will crave it and you'll wind up getting it anyway and then you'll feel stupid and, and weak and all this kind of stuff. So it, 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 you know, you know that's not the problem. You got people on vegetarian diets and then they wonder why they don't have any energy, why their muscle mass goes down and all that kind of stuff because they don't have the building blocks that they need for a healthy body. And so these are, are things that come to us through fear. You're scared of something and that motivates you to eliminate something to try to get better. And if we could just do that with God... And with sin and carnality, we'd be on the right road. You understand what I'm saying? And learn how to adopt God's word so that we work from knowledge and we work from God's power instead of working from darkness, ignorance, and fear. And so the more you can inform yourself with the knowledge of God, the healthier a life you can live, the more uh, productive a life you can live, the more energetic a life you can live. When God tells you he renews your youth every day, you need to grab onto that word. You need to claim that and confess it every day that you live. Uh, because you can't be old and young at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? You either got to be one or the other. And so if God is renewing your youth, he's renewing everything about your youth, your energy, your vitality, your mental condition. Your physical strength, all of that is renewed because he promises that. So I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to latch on to that. You know, why should, even if you're, you are advanced in years, why would you go down feeble and with a deteriorating mental condition? You don't have to do that. You ask him to renew your youth, renew your strength, renew your life. 
renew your brain cells, renew all of that stuff, and and you'll live a, a very, very blessed life. Why would you not let that be your confession and your expectation? God, I expect strength in my body. I respect, expect youth and vitality. And, and get up and, and start acting like you're, you're healthy and you're whole, you know. Don't let him start building ramps for you to get in your house. Ask him to help you leap up them two steps, you know. Make sure you get a house with two steps only. And ask him to help you leap them too and get on in the house. So, amen. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, you know, it, it's a good thing. It really, really is. It's, it's good not to go down to you know, defeat on these things when there's the word of God will help you. You know, the enemy will sit and talk to you now. Now don't, now Pastor Barb, you know, she gets way out there with that word. I need to be way out. You need to come out there with me. <laughs> and let's stay way out there in the word. You can't get too far out in God's word. Are you kidding me? I, I remember we played that, we prayed the, uh, on that, one of the destruction prayers or, pro, no, protection prayers. It's the blessing of Moses lived to be, uh, after, we pray after 70. I crossed 70 out. I start praying it at 60. I said, no, I'm not going to wait until my eye starts getting dim. I'm going to make sure it don't get dim now. Amen. When you get in the bifocal country, that's the time to start believing that. I'm not going blind. I'm going to be able to see. I'm not going to have cataracts or any of that other stuff that they say comes with it. No. No way. My natural strength will not be abated. You know, uh, Moses was 120 and he walked up the mountain to where he met God and wasn't returned anymore. So he walked to his deathbed, so to speak. You got me? And it wasn't no easy walk either. It was all uphill. But he was able to do it. Why? Because the life of God will keep you healthy and whole. Amen. He is your light and your salvation. He is your everything. Now what does that word light mean? It actually means the morning sun. It means a clear day. It means he's your awakening. So God is your awakening. He wakes you up to a clear day every day. He wakes you up to a day where nothing but good will come. If you'll stay focused on this day and forget about yesterday. huh? Because what happens with people who don't anticipate a good day. They're thinking about what happened yesterday. And they're not thinking about anything good that happened yesterday. They're thinking about yesterday's fears. They're thinking about yesterday's mishaps. They're thinking about yesterday's uh, mistakes. You know, things that happened that, that didn't weren't so pleasant. You know, you then see that's not a light thought. That's not a thought that's coming from the realm of light, L-I-G-H-T. It's really coming from the realm of darkness. And so you can stir that up and muddy your mind in a lot of fear and a lot of, uh, you know, anticipation of things that aren't good. It's really what you expect is what will happen. That word light also means lightning, man. It also means quickening and bringing to life. It means happiness. God is my happiness. God is my enlightenment. 
God is the light that kindles my spirit. He is the, the lamp that, that kindles my spirit. He's the big light that brings my flame to life. Amen. So when light comes into me, it's because God has done that. He has blessed me to be enlightened. He has blessed me to pull me out of darkness. He has blessed me to be able to see a clear path so I don't stumble. He has blessed me to take fear out of the equation. He has blessed me to put confidence in me toward him. He makes me aware that of all that he is. So God is your awareness of who he is. He makes you aware of life, love, and laughter, and happiness. You are not aware, when you're in God's light, you are not aware of what you do not have. You're just not. You can't be aware of two things at one time. So you're not aware of what you lack. You're not aware of lack in any area. But if you're in the light... How do you think about things that you don't possess yet in the natural? You live in expectation that they'll come to you. That's what light does. So light really is expectation of good, expectation of abundance, expectation of God's hand on your life, expectation of God moving mountains to get you to where you need to be, expectation of whatever it is that it takes For your life to be complete, you expect good. See, when you're in the light of God, you expect nothing but good. So you're not aware of what you do not have. You're just not. Amen? You're not aware of what you do not have. His light makes you alert to everything that's good. And anticipating everything that's good. His light takes away all darkness. It floods your soul with enlightenment. When you're in the light, you know where you're going. Amen. Darkness, your path is obscured. But in light, you know exactly where you're going. Lamentations 3 It's a good scripture to remember here. And verse 23 and 24 reminds us, I'm sorry, 22 and 23. He says, the writer says, this I recall to my mind. And this is where I have hope. Now hope is a form of light. Amen. It is a form of light. And it says it is of the Lord's mercies. It's because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. In other words, it's not your good behavior. It's not your faith. It's not your confession. It's his mercy that keeps you alive every morning. Keeps you away from destruction. Keeps you away from defeat. Why? Because his compassions do not fail. Fail, that word fail also means he doesn't run out of them. 
He never gets tired of being compassionate with us. He is never tired of being helpful to us. He is never tired of reaching out to us. He is never tired of us, his children. Write that down because people give up so quick. They're so so quick to go their own way and so quick to grab something else. And really all we need to do is spend more time in the light of God, speaking to him, honoring him, loving him, lifting him up, all of that stuff. If we would spend more time focused on him and what he wants and his goodness, his light, and his life in us, then we would have everything that we need. That is God's preference. That is his goal to keep us in his presence, keep us in his light, keep us in his good thinking good and thinking true thoughts about us. His passions don't fail. They compassions fail not. In other words, they're never extinguished. You can't wear them out. He says, in fact, they're new every morning. You're not living out of the old anything with God. Every day is a new day with him. So really, when you say he's your light and he's your salvation, he's your light and he's your compassion. He's your light and he's your help. He's your light and he's your unfailing mercy. So you have unfailing mercy in God every single day and there's no hangover and holdover for the day before with God. So why are you still lamenting what you didn't do right or what you did yesterday or trying to make excuses for it? We spend so much time in nonsense, mental gymnastics, trying to give yourself a false sense of peace When God's forgiveness is what you need to get true peace. You see what I'm saying? We're so accustomed to playing mind games with ourselves and with other people. You know, when you, when you do wrong, you make a mistake, you go to God, you ask forgiveness, quit making it, well, I'll get it right the next time, or it's not so bad, or I didn't do this, or oh, yada, yada, yada. See, if you keep doing that, you'll keep making the same mistake over and over again. Why are you massaging your conscience with a false peace? That's all you're doing. Your, your pride is trying to stay intact so you can make it sound like you didn't do anything so bad. Uh huh. So let's get it together, folks. It was bad, all right? It stunk. And you could have done better if you'd listened to God. So let's just face facts. But you're, you're, it's a new day. If you'll confess it, get it out of the way, it's a new day. And let's go on and live and, and start correcting these bad behaviors. You know, correcting these, I forgot and I made a mistake and I didn't do this. Come on now. We can live better than that. Because God lives in you. If he lives in you, you can do better. Amen. So just start living in that realm where you live honest before God. And forget about all these other little excuses we throw out there. They're not going to help you anyway. You know, you you should have given that up when you accepted Christ. Huh? You know, you people can, sometimes people are just so, they, they speak out of what's inside of them. People do. So you can't really trust their words for a whole lot of stuff. You gotta go to God with what, what you hear and, and with what you know. But once you get it 
get it right before God, then live out of what you know to be right. Amen. Don't keep going around trying to fix it up and make it something it's not. You know, when 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 it's pointed out to you, just receive it. Ask God to help you correct and go on about your business and it's a new day. But if you keep trying to make excuses, your days will never be good. They will never be new. You'll always have something hung over from the day before. And God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants every day to be a new day. Amen. So his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. If you'll let them be new, they will be new. I remember when I was suffering with depression, every morning I got up, I was depressed. And and it's because I anticipated having a rough day. And I remember when God showed me this scripture. And I wasn't in a church, folks, for somebody to screw it up and give me somebody else's interpretation of it. I got it straight from God. And he says, I don't hold anything over your head from the day before. He said, and I want you to stop doing it. And I would ask God, well, I'm trying, God. How do I, you know, felt pity. I'm trying. How do I do it? And he said, stop thinking the way you think. And so he showed me over in Philippians where it told you, think of those things that are good and lovely and true and good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. And I would argue, God, I can't do that. I'm depressed. He said, well, if you do it, you won't be depressed. And it took me a long time to figure out that there was a cause and effect to the way I felt. And so I was always waiting until I got better before I did things. And then God started telling me to get up and do them now. Well, why? Because that's faith. Amen. That's how faith works. And it's, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of self-help organizations are operating on faith and don't really understand that that's what they're operating on. But they'll give you principles to how to, to conquer fears and how to conquer all these things. Then we get people in the church and we let them whine and complain and we listen more to the whiners than we do to the people who are strong. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to learn how to let people get out of their fear, out of their bondage. And the way to do it is to do it by faith. Get up and do those things and call them that be not as though they are. And faith acts like it's so when it's not so. Why'd you let yourself stay in bondage and let yourself stay in the in the pokey for no good reason? So God's compassions are new every morning. He does not hold your sin from the day before. If you will learn to confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Excuses are not cleansing. You will never get cleansed making excuses for your mistakes. And so you need to confess them and talk to God about them. God, I get sick of doing the same thing over and over again. huh? Or here's a husband telling me I did so and so wrong. Or here's a wife telling me I did this wrong again. God, how do I get over this? How do I get myself into a place where I can conquer this? 
and get authority over it. See what I'm saying? So many times we don't include God when he is our light and our salvation. He will give you the light of how to get out of that prison that you put yourself in. Of darkness where you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand why you're always making the same mistake. And you don't understand how to get out of it. He'll give you enlightenment. He'll light your brain up and show you. Now if you do this, I can help you. But if you don't do it, I can't help you. That's why it's the same all the time. That's what people, uh, I remember talking to people who would have different, uh, problems, like, you know, smokers, uh, and they would start getting condemned because they were Christians and still smoking cigarettes. Well, what they needed, listen, they tried everything. They tried the patch, they tried the cold turkey, they tried not buying cigarettes, they tried throwing in, in the garbage can, they tried throwing them on the floor and stepping on the whole pack and they go buy another pack and keep smoking. So what they needed was for the Lord to be their light and their salvation. Light is an idea that comes from God that works to deliver you from your problem. Write that down. Light is an idea that comes from God To deliver you from your bondage and from your problem. And it will deliver you. I remember God giving me a word of knowledge about how to instruct people to use their faith for different things. And I don't know how many people I have told this that were smokers that don't smoke anymore. And God told me to tell them every time they light up. So religion will tell you not to say that. Somebody's asking you to be delivered and you tell them every time you light up. You understand? Oh, God's giving them permission to smoke. No, he isn't. He knows they're going to smoke anyhow. You got me? So I said, well, every time you light up, just say to that cigarette, pretty soon I won't need you. I am a non-smoker in Jesus' name. They call them things that be not as though they were. They called themselves a non-smoker in the face of smoking. See, it's easy to do it in between cigarettes. Because there's nothing to, to confront. But when you do it while you're doing what it is, huh? That's been defeating you. You're confronting that spirit that's carrying that thing. And that, you know the devil gets scared when you tell him you're not going to obey him. In the middle of obeying him, he wonders what's happened. He knows you've heard from heaven on that thing. And pretty soon, they'll come in and I'll say, well, how's it going? I just smoked a little bit yesterday. Like I'm down to one second. You know, it always gets better and better and better. Or they'll just come in one time and say, you know what, I forgot to tell you, I don't smoke anymore. You got me? It always works. Why? Because faith always works. Light will always bring salvation. When you were, see, that was an idea that came from God 
that set them out of that prison of bondage of smoking instead of them keeping smoking and feeling bad about it. What good is feeling bad about something? Because you can turn a feeling on and off or you don't, or feelings are so fake. You know what I'm saying? You can manufacture feelings. And that's oftentimes what we do and we think it, it's the same thing as repenting. Feeling bad is not repentance, it's just a feeling. Shock you how many people, how many fornicators feel bad after they fornicate and they keep doing it. You understand what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with getting free. You can feel bad for five minutes and say you want to be free and do nothing to get yourself freed up. So you don't ask for the light and the salvation of God. So when you are in God's light, you are aware of of what you need from him and you know he will supply it so get in the light go to the altar open your bible whatever you need to do to get in the light of god cry out to god for help pretty soon he'll send somebody with a word that'll set you free so uh, god it says here whom shall i fear in in uh, uh some back to psalm 21 27 i'm sorry Verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If God is, is the one who's helping you, there is no fear in the picture. Once light and the promise of salvation comes in, fear leaves. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's, it says here, The Lord is my strength. Amen. Of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? So really what is he saying here is God holds the reins on him. He's the one that makes him strong. It's like the, the picture would be of a horse on, 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 uh, reins and he's not breaking it he's tamed down to being controlled by the rider and that's what we need to understand when we when god is our strength you're not trying to do it on your own you're not trying to do it in your own power you're not embarrassed every time you make a mistake and try to correct it yourself it's where you get into trouble Amen. But you really humbly are submitting yourself to the leadership of God. And you allow him to control you. If he really is your strength, you've abandoned your own ideas. You've abandoned your own way of help. You have abandoned yourself to the real strength and the real help that comes to you through the hand of God. So he is your strength. So don't break away from the reins of God. Let him keep control over you. And the writer then begins to reflect on his experience with God's salvation. This is a good thing that we all need to do. Because the enemy will try to get you to fall out of of confidence in God. If you don't sit back and think about where God brought you from and how he brought you through these things, you have nothing really to draw from to validate 
having confidence in him. So everybody's got some experience where God has come to their rescue. They have some experience with the hand of God being strong on their lives. If not, you need to ask for them. If you don't have really good experiences, ask for them. And you need to ask for them more regularly so you'll have more experiences to draw from. And pretty soon your whole mind is filled with light all of the time. You you expect good from God. Your relationship with God is solid. You know he'll come to help you. You know that no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. It's not just a saying, but you live it every single day. God, this will not get the better of me. This will not get the best of me. This lawsuit will not prosper against me. I won't have to pay out a penny. You know, he pays your bills anyway, but you don't want to just keep letting God pay the bill for for everything. You resist the devil. You resist the thief. Devil, you let my money go. This does money is not for you. It's for the things God has ordained in my life. You cannot have it. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm not afraid of you. And I'm not serving you and I'm not playing your game. Man. So once he, he, you know he's, you've declared God is your strength. Remember we went over Psalm 91. We, our confession every day was you are my shield and my buckler and I trust in you. Amen. So establish every day before you get out and start anticipating problems and get out and start getting in fear. Establish before you get out of that bed that today he is your light and your salvation. Today, God, you are the strength of my life and I trust in you. God, today you will guide me daily, every day. My way is not dark. My way is full of light because you are my light and my salvation. Other than that, you're just living in a constant fear of messing up again. Yeah, or what's going to happen around the corner or, you know, whatever kind of crazy thoughts. Learn how to fight those thoughts with the word of God. Just God, you are my light. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. I'm not afraid of losing money. I'm not afraid of, uh, you know, anybody running into my vehicle. I'm not afraid of a parking ticket. I'm not afraid. You understand what I'm saying? These things we must put under God's authority and quit the half living. Just stop half living and start living holy for God. Sometimes we live off of scraps instead of living at the full meat of the table. You know what I'm saying? Just looking for leftovers. Oh, God, help me with a little bit over here. If I get in trouble, I hope he's with me. Stop living like that. Amen? He's your light and your salvation. You're not afraid of anything. Get that fear thought out of there. Get that reluctance out of there. Get that problem out of there. Amen. Stop doing that. Start going to God first for what you need. Amen. You don't need to always keep dealing with the same thing over and over again. God can get rid of um, anything overnight. Just just trust him to do it. Expect more from him. You got me? Let your expectation in God be great. Let it be up to the standard of what he's known to be able to do for you. You got me? And let's get on with the business of of serving God and living in the fullness of God. His compassions are new every morning. you got to believe that. You don't have any problems left over from yesterday. 
You don't have any problems left over from some diagnosis that the doctor put on you. Every day you're getting healthier. Every day you're getting better. Every day disease is leaving you. Every day you're more healed than you were the day before. So let's get on it, folks. Start. Stop being so passive and lazy with your thought life. Let your thoughts come up to the level of what God's word says you should be able to expect from him. You can't expect good when your mind's stuck over in dark. You can't expect light when you're stuck over in the darkness of your mind. So uh, reflect on your experience with God's salvation. Look at all the years you've been here. You ain't dead yet. The devil didn't kill you yet. You're still serving God. You're still in your right mind enough to reverence God and love him and respect him. You still got all your faculties about you. He says that, he says, when the wicked, even my enemies, verse 2, anybody wicked and personal enemies, we're talking about Satan here, and my foes, so that's everybody, every desperado that could do me harm, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So what are you scared of? This man says, every time enemies pursued me, they stumbled and they fell. Huh? We're scared of nothing. We're scared of the thought that the devil puts there instead of fighting it with God's word. No, God, I'm not afraid. No, devil, get out of my head. Every enemy that comes against me will stumble and fall. That includes you. So you get to stumbling right now. When you trust God to get you out, You will look back and see how he dealt with problems in your life. The problems that sought sought to devour you. The problems that thought they could consume you. You'll look back and see how God dealt with those things. And you'll be glad. Amen. He says also though a host should encamp against me. Oh my goodness. That's an army outside your front door. Looking to evict you, huh? to do you harm, to put sickness on you, to cause you an accident, whatever it is. They are encamped around you. Your heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. I will be confident in this. Whatever it is that comes against you, you've got to be confident in it. You gotta be confident in God. You gotta be confident in God. You can't be wavering. If you see where you're wavering, your mind's flipping around and you're getting more in trouble than you were a minute ago, then you settle down and you say, wait a minute. God, let me get my confidence in you here. I need to be confident in you. Whatever you need to do for me to give me confidence in you, please give it to me and give it to me now. Call on him for what you need. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. This is a key, folks. If you don't do anything, underline and circle number four. Because this is how you get confident in God. This is how this man is able to say all of verses one through three. It's because this is how he lives in verse four. This is the important thing. See, to me, this is the big payday of the whole scripture. 
when you see how a person, the how-to is the most important thing we can get out of the Word of God because that's where understanding is. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. God, I don't live like this. I don't live with knowing you. I'm so confident when trouble comes. I don't live like that. How do I get there? Number four, that's how you get there. He says, one thing that I desire of the Lord, and this I seek after. So he's not seeking after revenge against his enemies. He's not seeking after a title or a position or anything like that. He's not seeking after never doing anything wrong ever again in his life. All those things that we think are so important to have, he does, he not fussing with that stuff. He says, this is what I desire and I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all, in other words, I want to stay saved. I want to stay faithful to God. I want to stay true to God. This is what, this is what is in my heart that I seek after that allows me to have my confidence in God the way I have it. See, it's not about trying to do everything right. He never said anything about this. The one thing I desire is that I do everything right. Don't ever mess up nothing. He's not saying that. That's not human anyway. You know, the average Hebrew knew that wasn't going to work. You live under the law long enough, you know you have no power to do much right on your own. You just try it. Let God's hands of mercy get lifted off of you for 10 minutes and see how far you get. See, we don't even experience that because his hand of mercy is on us all the time. But you're not going to get anywhere. You try going back to being unsaved after you've been saved and see how far you get with that. He says, I want to be in the dwell of the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. God, keep me saved until I live this earth. Lord, help me to stay attentive to you. Inquire in his temple. That means seek God and not man. Seek God's approval and not man's approval. Seek what God, seek to be right with God. And don't think about what, what man is doing. And he says, inquire in his temple to behold the beauty of the Lord. Not material things, but you want to behold, you want to see God as he really is. You want to get out of your mind and out of your flesh and out of your craziness long enough to really get a good view of who God really is. And that should be a quest for all of us. So often we just live in a mental state of appreciation of God. But to see his face, to get close enough to him, to know how he feels about things, know what he thinks about things, know what he thinks about you, know what he thinks about what you do, instead of being scared all the time of the truth coming from God. See, we're hypocrites without even trying to be. Say we love him and and don't want to go face to face with him. Avoid him. Don't spend enough time in worship. And we don't want to slip over that line where we can't stop worshiping God. We can't stop praising God. We can't, we draw back from that all the time. You know what I'm saying? You know, anybody, if you pay attention in your worship, 
You'll understand that God, if you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. You draw nigh a little bit more, he draws more nigh. You draw nigh, he draws nigh. But we never stay in that place long enough to get a face-to-face with him unless you really need something. And that's the truth of it. You got me? Many times we shrug that off and just go about our own way, making more mistakes and more darkness and never really get into the light. So this is the one thing that he says, this is my heart's desire. I want to pursue God. I want to see his face. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to dwell in his sanctuary. Everywhere God wants to meet me, I want to be there continually all the days of my life. Amen. He said, that's the one thing I desire. And that's the key to all of this confidence in God. He says in verse 5, for in the time of trouble, you shall hide me in your pavilion. In the secret of your tabernacle, you will hide me. So this is a place that he could not describe But it's in the place in the spirit where he knows he's been before. Because in that place he's not, he's oblivious to the enemy. He's not aware of fear. He's aware of God and God's hiding him and protecting him and caring so much about him that he doesn't want him to be afraid. He does not want him to be afraid. You know, he, when you say God is your salvation, that means He is your deliverance. He is your freedom from fear. That word salvation means, and this is an Old Testament definition, but it's an excellent one because it means to be free and to be free from, free and safe and unburdened. So when God hides you with himself, you know you're free. You don't feel burdened anymore. You know you've been lifted out of that place of condemnation. You're lifted out of that place of hiding, having to hide yourself from the enemy. You're free from fear. It means to rescue. It means to get victory. And defend, it means to avenge and get liberty, to preserve. It also means to open wide. When you're in fear, you're in a small room. You're in an enclosed space. You're in a prison. And so when God saves you, he opens the prison doors wide. Your mind starts to relax. Your heart stops beating as fast. Your palms don't sweat as much. You got me? All of those flight or flight, fight or flight or fight symptoms go away. Your adrenaline stops pumping as much. Why? Because the danger's gone. God takes the danger out of everything. This man sought relationship with the Almighty and not religion. Not doing what you think makes you feel better about yourself. And you include God in it. That's religion. Says he will put him on a rock. That means if the flood is coming, he's got a rock to set you on that puts you above the level of the flood. Man.
I know we prayed Psalm 91 for this nation with this so-called hurricane flow. She came in like a whimper and she's leaving out of, in a whimper. And I, I'm, I'm never shocked at what media people do, but they're still trying to hype her up. You know, there's, see, something's wrong with, with this whole system of information that we have. And this is why you have to be so careful about how you hear and what you hear. As Jesus said, be careful how you hear things. And learn how to hear in God's hearing and not in your flesh hearing. Because you'll get addicted to that television and you'll be looking for the next excitement like they are. And you'll be looking for some disaster to happen. And these are people just like you and me who want to live. They want their property to be secured. They don't want to have to have a flood and not have a house to live in. Are you kidding me? And we should stand against these things. But, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I said, Lord, I'm going to start binding up these evil reports coming from the weather people. You understand what I'm saying? Because you realize you got to fight flow. You got to fight flow supporters. You got to fight their words and their false prophecy. And because you don't want it to come to pass. And they kind of do. You understand what I'm saying? They even found some of them faking the weather around them. You know how those newsmen will stand out there and it's raining and the wind's blowing. They found some guy that had a fan, a fan on him. <clears throat> because they noticed in the camera shot there were people walking behind him across the street. They weren't wet and the wind wasn't blowing them. So you gotta watch stuff, folks. Come on now. Stay with what God gives you. Stay with His Word. God, we declare no loss of life. We declare no loss of property. Flow, go back where you came from in Jesus' name. Stop your advancing. You are not allowed on shore in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this man gets lifted up above my enemies in verse 6. Now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. And listen, folks, we got a ton of enemies. They're not flesh and blood, but they're evil spirits. They come to take your health. They come to take your wealth. They come to take your peace. They come to take your joy. You got as many as you have, um, uh, you know, promises of God. Cause the enemy is always coming to steal what God's told you belongs to you. If he can't stop you from praying for it, he can stop you from standing for it until you get it. He'll get you to walk away from things that God's promised you and you've been praying for. Or to get not as enthusiastic about it, not as faithful, not as expectant. Every day you need to confess all the things you remember you've been praying for. God, I thank you. I expect uh, my husband to come home today. I expect reconciliation today. I expect these things today. Every day this today, you expect them today. Other than that, you're not engaging your faith in it. So you got to continually expect good from the hand of God and start naming the things you're expecting. And quit, quit saying why it's not happened yet. Quit answering your own dumb question. It's a crazy question because you don't know what train it's coming in on. How do you know when it's too late or it's taking too long? You don't know what train God sent it in on and you'll never know. Sometimes he'll let you know it's close. 
But most of the time those responses belong to him. So he lifts us up above our enemies. Verse 6. My head is lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. I will sing praises unto the Lord. Make sure you're singing it to him. Amen. And make sure you understand what's appropriate at the time God is helping you. So he says it's a sacrifice to praise God in the face of what's happening wrong in your life. Most people want to focus on that because they think they can search their mind for an answer and it's not coming there. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Never take for granted and assume that God is with you. Always cry out to him. Express your faith that you expect him to come to your rescue. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. In other words, God will tell you when he's ready to answer you. He will tell you that you need to come and talk to him about certain things. He will keep you informed of where he is at all time. The writer says, don't hide your face far from me. Don't put your servant away in anger. You've always been my help. Don't leave me. Don't forsake me, God of my salvation. Now, a minute ago, he was so confident. What happened? Trouble came. When trouble comes, you plead these things before God. You'll start to ask him these things. God, don't leave me. Don't let this. It says, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Man, that's a good scripture to keep in your heart and your mind. I know when I was depressed, I felt like everybody left me alone, you know. And then I read this scripture and I said, oh, God, I see you're here for me. I see you know when this, you know things like this happen to people and you've already said you're going to take care of me. You got me? My parents were embarrassed about me being mentally ill. You know, most people don't want to have a crazy kid on their hands. And they didn't know what to do for me. And I didn't realize my mother was still praying for me. She knew how to touch God when she had trouble. Amen. She didn't know much about the Bible and what to teach her kids. She taught us right and wrong. And I always saw her refer to God. She can go to church. My dad didn't either. But they, they, out of their desperation in life, they knew that God was always there for them to cry out to him. Amen. And so he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Don't let me fall into the snare of the devil. A plain path means a sure path. You can be confident in the steps that you make when God is lighting your way, even though you haven't been that way before. There are many things we're going to experience in life, in our life in God. There are first time happenings, but we don't have to fear and shrink back. Always make a faith move. That's what I tell people. Don't stand there immobilized. Make a faith move. Amen. And that means say, God, I'm coming toward it. I'm stepping toward it. And keep moving. Don't take a step and stand still and get back in fear. Because fear is running after you. Every step you take in God, fear is hot on your heels. 
and he'll tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, wait, what about this over here to get your attention? So don't let that happen. Amen. You need to seek God. Seek his face, as he said in verse uh, 7. And he said, I sought your face. Don't hide your, 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 your face from me, Lord. And in verse 11, teach me your ways. There's more to learn. Teach me your ways, Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Don't give up on learning God's ways. Satan picks off the weak people at his will. He tempts us to leave the place of worship and obedience. Strike out on your own. Well, you know, God, you have to wait forever for this, so it's okay for you to go do this on your own, man. Or not to do something. That's more what Christians do. We do more, more not doing. We think talking about it is doing it. Amen. Nice to have a good confession, but it's got to be followed up with some action. Amen. Faith is an action. So, he says, everybody can turn their backs against you, but God will always be there for you. Amen. Verse 13. I have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of that. That'll keep you from quitting. You believe to see the goodness of God while you live in this, in this earth life, in this realm. And he, and you'll see it. He said, wait on the Lord and be a good carriage. Let him strengthen your heart. So if your anticipation is for God to come through for you, he will come and strengthen you to believe him even more. He will not let the enemy take you down to weakness. There's no such thing as God not being able to help you with something if you want to be helped. Amen. Now you got to want God to help you. You can't. Sometimes we get so um, complacent with things as they are, and we just accept what we have. We don't expect the newness of God to come in and really help us. We really don't. And so you have to actively seek God. God, I want to be expecting good i want to be this person that i see here in this psalm i want to be confident in you i want to know that you are my light and my salvation i want to live free from fear you know fear is like a an octopus it's got many tentacles that will grab you and if you don't start learning how to fight it it will not it won't let you just have a little bit of fear It'll want to consume your life. And so we have to be alert to know that fear is always your enemy. You have to fight it at all times. I remember when, when I was recovering my mental and emotional health, um, I was afraid of driving. And I remember going, sitting in a car. I didn't feel confident to put the key in the ignition, but I sat there as long as I could. And when I start sweating and breaking out and having a panic attack, I go back in the house. And then I come out again and do it again. See, what will make the difference in whether God will help you is if you do it again. If you break out in a sweat and go run one time, he won't be there for you the next time. you got to do it again. Faith does it again. 
Faith does it over and over again. Because faith knows God is there to help you. And he can't help you if you're obeying the devil and being afraid of everything. So faith will will cause you to step out over and over and over again until you accomplish it. This is how people who are paralyzed walk. This is how people who have had strokes get their the confidence in their limbs back. They do it over and the people who who run the uh you know the rehabilitation programs where they teach them how to walk and how to talk, they know it because these people do not let up on you. That that is not the place to go if you want somebody to feel sorry for you because something bad happened to you. But it's the place to go to regain your strength and your confidence because they know that repetitive, they don't know how it happens, which is fine, but they know it does. And it's the same thing with us. If we don't faint, we'll reap. If we don't quit, we'll get it. If we don't lose heart, we'll get it. So God's not interested in you hearing a a snappy little sermon that you like some parts of and some parts you don't. And he doesn't care if you just enjoy what the message. But what makes a difference is what you do when you leave out of here. Do you take it and do you apply it and do what God tells you to do? And do you do it consistently? Or do you sit and whine and wonder? You know what I'm saying. Languish. If I had done that years ago... Uh, I wouldn't be here today, you know. I'd probably be dead, you know what I'm saying. People with mental illness often don't live very long. So the devil has a, a death sentence waiting for everybody but God. I thank God I sought God. Amen. I thank God the Holy Spirit didn't let me quit. And I thank God that God came through for me and he's still coming through for me. Amen. All right. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. You are our light and our salvation. We don't fear anybody. We thank you, God, for helping us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for understanding us and giving us your love in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen.